You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante, and we've got trade rumors out the yin-yang today. MLB Network pitched a Francisco Lindor package that's got Yankees Twitter buzzing. We've got Miguel Andujar to the NL Central. That's a rumor that's uh, stoking the fires today. Uh, DJ LeMayhew and the unexpected Yankee who may have an impact on his ability to return. We've also got a bit of a Gary Sanchez addendum to the non-tender stuff we talked about last week. Folks, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're still wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to drop us a five-star review and a mailbag cue along with that review. We'll make sure to answer it on a future episode. Thomas, what's going on, man? Each day I'm surprised. I think, Ed, do we have to do a podcast today? Is there enough stuff? And every two days there is just stuff piling on and piling on, and we will we could talk every three day every two days for three hours and here we are again with more more buzz more rumors more ridiculous players affecting potential star players returns like i don't even know why any of this is anything anymore and i can't believe it and i want answers because this is too slow and we're getting into that area where the speculation is just becoming hogwash and i don't really like it but I'm going to talk about it. We're going to break it down, and we're going to try to feel go- good about it, I guess. Well, let's let's talk Lindor trade first because the literal – the name Francisco Lindor uh, attached to any piece of writing over the last, like, week or two weeks or so has just been explosive. Uh, so credit to MLB Network for riding the content wave, probably checking out their analytics, and they, they figured out what's going on there. Uh, hmm. But MLB Network floated a specific package uh, – between the Yankees and Indians for Lindor on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, So the Lindor question has always been sort of, is his value really as low as it kind of seems right now? Like last year, we all were like, let's not trade for Lindor too expensive, uh, crazy expensive for like a year and a half of control. Then of course the full year became 60 games last year. 
Yeah, glad we didn't pull the trigger when we did. Uh, but the Mookie Betts trade has definitely informed us in the Lindor talks. David Price came attached to that. But the price of, uh, you know, the greatest player in baseball wasn't that high. Alex Verdugo, uh, you know, got a fifth-place MVP vote from some uh, Tea Party lunatic in Boston. Uh, very good baseball player, but at the time, you know, it's a solid major leaguer. It's a guy who had been a former top prospect. He'd shown flashes. Uh, good baseball player, but not great. Uh, eventually, the Red Sox cried enough that the Dodgers included Jeter Downs in that, one of their top prospects. And then the other piece was just Connor Wong, you know, a mid-20s prospect catcher. Uh, so basically, solid major leaguer, top prospect, uh, fringe prospect was, was the ultimate be-all, end-all for bets and price. So it, we've sort of lowered our expectations a little bit on Lindor. Uh, MLB Network pitched yesterday Clint Frazier, Miguel Andujar, number five prospect Luis Heel, and uh, sinking former top prospect Albert Abreu, who I believe ranks 12th now, but used to be a regular top five guy has appeared in the major leagues, has never really put it together, always seems to get hurt, and is kind of just a throw-in at this point. Uh, and so is Andujar, honestly, when you really think about it. So so MLB Network is now pitching a Clint Frazier and Luis Heal, one of their top prospects, centered trade with a major league throw-in and a minor league throw-in. Uh, a lot of people were talking about this, and this kind of feels like it, it may be where these rumors eventually settle. Is this something you'd pull the trigger on? I'm, I'm torn. I'm very torn too. I think at the end of the day, if this is what it comes down to when you're nearing the finish line with negotiations after all these teams have put in their offers, I think you probably you probably do it here and you say, you know what, we're going for it and this is what it's going to take and this is what we have to do. However, I see drawbacks for both sides. So let's start with the Yankees. You're getting Lindor. That's great. In, in any of these deals for Lindor, you have to eat something. And in this scenario, you're eating Clint Frazier. You got to get rid of somebody who's good. And it's got to be an immediate contributor for the Indians because you're getting an all-star player who you could potentially have for a long time. However, what you got to factor into the negotiations here is that Lindor is a free agent after this year, or the Yankees are going to have to pay him $200 million plus dollars. So are all of these pieces worth it from you know the Yankees perspective is Clint Frazier too much or if Clint Frazier himself isn't too much are these other three guys repeat after me I Kevin take you Susan I Kevin take you Susan it's a Jamie from Progressive Jamie no it's all right I can talk Progressive protects you 24 7 which means you can contact us anytime hmm. I'm getting a loud shh sound so I'm gonna talk louder what can I help you with today uh-huh Oh, yeah, Progressive can do that. Ugh, there's that noise again. Hold on. Let me put you on speaker. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage subject to policy terms. It's too much. I don't necessarily think so. And Duhar has no spot on the roster. We've seen what we got out of Abreu. It's not great. And Luis Heal, I, I think he has great upside, but I think we're rating Davey Garcia and Clark Schmidt a lot higher than him at this point. So he's more of a redundant pitcher than anything for what we're projecting out of those guys that I had just mentioned. So from this perspective, it doesn't seem like the Yankees are giving up a whole lot, but Abreu could slot into a bullpen and provide, you know, solid years of control and Duhar, same thing. Frazier, obviously an all-star caliber caliber player and heel could be very good. So the Yankees might view this as a little bit excessive, but if you're looking from the Indians perspective, Great, we're trading back for Clint Frazier, who we already traded. 
we're getting the outfield help that we need, but, you know, do we kind of look dumb here? This is my argument for all of these because the Andujar and the Frazier thing are the biggest things that's concerned me, especially when you're talking to deal with the Indians. They're getting back a guy they already traded, and Duhar is a throw-in. I know his 2018 was awesome, but his 2020 was bad. They did the these other teams didn't get a proper look at him at third base, which still is his primary position. But at this point, they don't really know if that's where he slots in for the future because he has pretty much had two years off from playing that position. So a lot of teams are going to view, okay, great, you're throwing in him because he doesn't have a spot on your roster. And so we're just going to take him, and I, I guess it's our problem now. Um, heel, I think, is great for them in general. They are great at developing pitchers, as we've seen with their pitching staff this year. They, they carry them to the playoffs. Their offense, once again, was not good. We saw they were ranked in the bottom, bottom uh, the 23rd or lower in pretty much every major offensive statistic. And they'll look at Abreu and be like, we've seen what he could do at the MLB level. We know that he throws hard, but like, he hasn't put it together yet. Another area, though, where they could be like, yeah, we could turn this guy into something. He'll have good years of control on him. Our pitching coach can make it. What's the pitching coach's name again? I always forget this guy's Carl name. Carl Willis? Yeah, Carl Willis. Carl I Willis did. can probably do something with, with him and, and make it work, make him a great middle reliever, which is something that they could use considering they got rid of uh, Brad Hand. And now they're going to need even uh, a, a longer bridge to get you know to whoever's going to be closing games for them. And Abreu could be a solid piece. So I think it has it has good it has good foundation, but there are concerns on both sides. And I think those are two that both of these teams need to worry about. But then again, this is if this is what the final deal is after all these talks are, you know, come into focus, I think it's at the end of the day, it's it's fair for, for everybody. I mean, you're going to have to give to get here. I think the only untouchable prospect is Jason Dominguez. Um, and you, you're going to have to talk yourself into giving up any other prospect at this point. Like, you're, you're not getting – no matter how low the cost of Francisco Lindor gets, you're not getting out of here without surrendering some of your top young guys. Like, that, that's just how this goes. Um, but it boils down to do the Yankees – would you rather have Clint Frazier on a small contract starting in left field for the next several years – and have to figure out a different middle infield situation? Or would you rather lose Frazier, lose your certainty in left field, have Mike Talkman or someone keep that seat warm uh, until, you know, Dominguez arrives, honestly, or, you know, mess around out there with, with some short-term free agents like Michael Brantley? Or would you rather have, you know, the, le- the left field hole messed up and the middle infield shored up with a monster contract? Uh, because if you put Lindor at short, you're moving Glaber to second and you're losing DJ Lehew. That's just how it is. You're not Lindor, LeMahieu, and Torres isn't a thing that's going to happen. We could talk about different infield machinations all we want. A Lindor trade means LeMahieu is gone. So the choice is uh, a LeMahieu extension and Clint Frazier for cheap or a giant Lindor deal and left field filled by cheaper options. Um, And let's face it, as much as we want those options to be a Michael Brantley type, uh, they wouldn't be. They would be bargain basement, platoon guys, uh, you'd probably have Gardner and Talkman split time out there this year. Um, and then, you know, we've seen what happens in the past. Injuries always play a huge role here and render things much different than you anticipated. And you end up with like Shane Peterson starting 15 games in left field in the middle of August. So I would say I endorse Frazier and LeMahieu over making this sort of Lindor move, but it's going to hurt and you're going to have to give to get. And, and it does make sense that this is the kind of move that MLB Network is talking about. 
Now we mentioned Andujar is a throw-in. Uh, worth saying that that uh, Andujar's name popped up in uh, the St. Louis Cardinals world this week. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals beat writer Rick Hummel got pitched an Andujar deal uh, to the STL. And he said the Cardinals will entertain any legitimate offer for Carlos Martinez. Although Andujar, partly because of a right shoulder injury, has done nothing for the Yankees the past two seasons. Had a big power year in 2018, but is a defensive liability third in the outfield. And you might want to know if the National League is going to have a DH before you invest in him. But there's some food for thought here, and Andujar is under club control for several more years. Now, Carlos Martinez has been a reliever in recent years. But before that, he was a two-time all-star starter for the Cardinals, still just 29. And despite his reputation for being a bit erratic, hasn't had a bad year in the major leagues prior to this shortened 60-game season in 2020. Pretty much a mid-threes or low-threes ERA guy with over a strikeout per inning. Uh, He had a huge 217K year one year. The durability for Martinez, you know, it wasn't a concern prior to the past two years. Uh, this guy has a much larger history uh, than a lot of people probably remember because what we remember is, you know, Martinez hitting the IL and then going from the rotation to the bullpen repeatedly back and forth. Um, so, you know, it, it's if you're going to trade someone like Andujar at this point, he's not someone who can be really relied upon as the centerpiece of a trade package. But in terms of questionable for questionable, you could do a lot worse than someone like Martinez. Um, I'm intrigued that they're even talking about this in other cities. Like, I'm intrigued that somebody wants Miguel Andujar, and it's not just us throwing him on some other team. Yeah, that's cool. And I think that this could actually work for the Cardinals because you got Matt Carpenter at third base, who just isn't really good anymore. Last two years, terrible, and they're paying him a ton of money. So maybe they could find another team that would be willing to take on, you know, uh, at least, at the very least, you know, 70% of his salary. They'll pay the rest, and then they can get something else in return and slot Andujar into third. Um, however, from the Yankees perspective, look, I don't know what the hell they did with Carlos Martinez. I really don't. I loved him in fantasy. I I picked him. I tried to get him in fantasy like every year, like years ago. And I don't know what the thought process was to move this guy to the bullpen. He was coming off an all-star 2017 campaign, 32 starts, 3.64 ERA led the league in batters faced 217 strikeouts. Like you mentioned his first year eclipsing the 200 inning mark. And then the next year, 15 relief appearances and 18 starts. Like, I don't understand what happened there. And then full-time reliever in 2019, 48 games. He was okay. He had – you saw the issues that he had. He wasn't exactly entirely reliable. His whip went up to uh, 1.35 that year when they transitioned him. And then it was at a 1.18 the year after. And then he went back to a starter this year. So I don't know what they're doing. On top of not, I don't understand what they're doing with him and why that's the answer. His contract really is not in line with what the Yankees are looking for. He's going to make almost $12 million in 2021. And then he has gigantic team options in 2022 and 2023, $17 million in 2022, $18 million in 2023, only a $500,000 buyout on each of those though. So I guess the Yankees could roll the dice and be like, look, We'll see what we get out from get from him this year. We can maybe slot him into the back end of the rotation or use him as one of as a bridge for the Chad Green Britain uh Chapman uh trio. And then they can be like, okay, so then in 2022, hopefully we'll be out of this pandemic BS. We can maybe entertain paying $17 million for him. 
because then you have to remember that after 2022, I believe, Chapman, Britton, and Green are all gone. So then maybe Martinez is your guy for $18 million in 2023 in his age 31 season. I don't know. Um, but it makes sense because Anduar doesn't have a lot of value. You're probably going to get a throw-in guy for him. Not like a throw-in guy, but somebody who is clearly out of favor or on the way out of another team. You're not going to get a top prospect of any value at this point. You're not going to get a, a surefire contributing MLB player who you know you can rely upon on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's weird. I think it's something to consider. There are other angles to look at it to make it beneficial for the Yankees, but uh, I'm not entirely sure. It's weird. It's definitely better than I anticipated. This is a bigger name than I would have ever expected to even be sold on in an Andujar trade right now. Uh, but keep it coming. I'm glad the rest of the baseball world is thinking about him. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking DJ LeMayhew, the odds he resigns, who could be affecting that, and uh, little Gary Sanchez update. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Yank Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Let's go Yard podcast. So DJ LeMahieu, um still hasn't made, you know, the official move, no movement there publicly. Uh, on whether or not he is returning to the Yankees, though all signs still point to the man eventually agreeing to another contract in New York. And we only say that because all that we've heard from all parties are that he would prefer to be back. Uh, you know, Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman said they understand the fit. Uh, LeMahieu himself at the MVP ceremony said it's a great fit and he loves New York. Luke Voigt said on Monday night, uh, he expects LeMahieu will be back. He, he fits well in that locker room. Um, and Mark Feinsand and Brian Hoke and some other uh, baseball beat writers got together on MLB.com and did a roundtable. And they all universally agreed, uh, this was published on Tuesday, that LeMahieu would ultimately be back. Uh, the length of the deals and the money involved varied. Uh, uh, Feinsand said four years, $80 million, which which kind of feels like my baseline. A lot of people have cited the Josh Donaldson four-year $92 million deal. Uh, maybe that's it. I mean, I don't know. Donaldson provides more power. And LeMahieu is a guy who is certainly not looking for a new destination, theoretically. So, you know, that Donaldson deal took him from Atlanta to Minnesota. Hopefully the Yankees deal takes him from New York to New York, but who knows? Uh, Hoke pitched a three-year $60 million deal with a fourth-year option that obviously is one of those options where everybody sort of agrees, like, I mean, we're going to pick up this option. It's going to help you. Um, so it's good that they were all sort of unified on that front. Uh, but there was an interesting nugget in the middle. Obviously, we've all been thinking about, you know, what happens when LeMahieu, uh, you know, needs to uh, return to the Bronx and the Yankees also need to sign pitching. Like, how do they juggle that? Does Tanaka come back? Who fits under the $210 million threshold? Um, well, so there was an interesting nugget in the middle here. Uh, fine sand. To me, this is where the return of Luis Severino and Domingo Herman come into play. If they're happy going into the 2021 season with Garrett Cole, Severino, Jordan Montgomery, Herman, and Davey Garcia as their rotation, it's a no-brainer that LeMahieu is back. Even if they re-sign Tanaka, LeMahieu fits. So big one there uh, that Tanaka and LeMahieu could coexist. I'm not sure what else they'd be able to do beyond that if they brought Tanaka back. 
However, it's important to note that honestly, the, the level of comfort the Yankees have with Domingo Herman and how many starts they think he can make if they're willing to allow him to tiptoe his way back into the rotation could change this. This projected rotation mentioned Severino, who won't be back till the middle of the summer, did not mention Clark Schmidt, who would probably be holding down the five-starter spot at least until Severino returns. Um, you know, that is not a rotation you can feel comfortable and confident in. I would say that even if the Yankees give a vote of confidence to Herman and that layout, they're still going to need to spend a little bit of money on a five-starter or a veteran of some kind. You can't roll into the regular season with all of those risk factors lined up behind Garrett Cole. But the fact that, uh, you know, Tanaka and LeMahieu could be a pair, that's encouraging. Uh, but the thought that Domingo Herman's existence, someone that we don't even really want to think about being a part of the roster based on his actions and recent behavior, to think that he could tilt the scales in favor of LeMahieu returning, it's kind of a scary thought. Doesn't make sense to me. Picture, uh, I got a chalkboard behind me, and it's just filled with tally marks of things that don't make sense. And this is, this is just another one. I don't understand. First of all, I don't understand why this man was not released. Um, I understand you want to give people a second chance. I understand that, you know, you let, there was a lot of, there was a lot of bizarre, you know, talkings about whatever happened in the situation. Nonetheless, he was suspended, whatever the due process was or whatever the bullshit you want to talk about played itself out. Apparently he was suspended for 81 games under the domestic violence policy which is not good. You don't want to abandon a guy because he did something bad or made a mistake, but you know, this is pretty bad. Number one, number two, not only that, he went on Instagram and said that he was stepping away from baseball and then said that that wasn't the case like a day later or two days later. And then he posted that weird picture of his brother who, you know, looked like he had looked like Herman looked like he lost 50 pounds and, you know, just turned into a wild person. Yeah. That was a problem. And right. that was a problem. Everybody was concerned. Nobody was like, get this guy the fuck out of here. But everyone was like, what's going on with Domingo Herman? Is this guy okay? Can someone like go check on him? Isn't this what the Yankees should be doing? Nonetheless, there's a lot of red flags with this dude. And I likened it yesterday to the giants, Josh Brown situation when he was found guilty or, you know, there was a lot of allegations against him for domestic violence and they just opted to keep him for whatever reason. Domingo Herman is not somebody in my opinion, who's going to move the needle for this Yankees rotation. Yes. He's a body that could fit in the back of the rotation and not like completely implode and screw you. But like he's had 55 career games, 38 of those were starts. He's been relatively solid. Nothing like nothing, anything you can't get on the free agent market. If you're looking to plop somebody in, in the back end of the rotation, and he's he's about to enter arbitrate. He's in his pre his final pre arbitration year. So next year he's going to start costing actual money, assuming he performs well this year. I know he had his debut in the Dominican Winter League and he looked good, but this is you know a PR kind of a PR nightmare for the Yankees. They already have this stuff surrounding a role as Chapman. It's really not promising. But the other thing, you know, forget about Herman for a moment, and we're going to talk about you know, the, the rotation backing up Garrett Cole as a potential issue for DJ LeMahieu not returning, who else are you spending money on to join the rotation? That's going to be a prohibitive cost from preventing you from bringing DJ back Trevor Bauer. And that's it. There's nobody else. And we're not getting Trevor Bauer. So stop thinking about it. Stop talking about it. He, he keeps 
throwing shade at the Yankees. Whatever. He's got his little TV channel. He's having a great time blowing smoke up Steve Cohen's ass because he wants a gigantic contract. Let him do that. There is nobody else on the free agent market that the Yankees are going to be able to pay for this year and bring in and have, you know, have confidence that the job will be done behind Garrett Cole and there will be a stable force of guys behind their top pitcher to continue to get this team through a 162 game season. So I don't understand why, why Domingo Herman is potentially the factor that's going to keep DJ LeMahieu from re-signing because whether you have Herman or not, you can still sign one or two tertiary guys between, you know, eight and 12 million for one year or two years tops that are going to hold down the fort in the rotation. And it's not going to make it. So you're telling me that Herman's return would potentially save you $10 million. And then that's going to be the deciding factor for whether or not DJ LeMahieu leaves. It doesn't make any sense. Like we talked about a million times, there are no options on the free agent market for the Yankees this off season. The move here, if you're going to make a move, is to overspend with your farm system and acquire somebody. And we talked about that this week. Luis Castillo on the Reds, Kyle Hendricks on the Cubs, and Max Scherzer on the Nationals. All those guys are in very up-in-the-air situations with their teams. And I'm sure that all the Reds, the Nationals, and the Cubs would all like to expedite some sort of rebuild or retool with a bunch of prospects from the Yankees farm system. The Yankees have a lot of redundant guys in their farm system and can make it work. So that there are two types of currencies in baseball, as Sandy Alderson mentioned this week, actual money and prospects. The Yankees have plenty of both. They don't want to spend the former. So you got to use the latter to get something. And the answers for them for pitching are not on the free agent market in term from a fiscal standpoint. So Herman's return should not have anything to do with LeMahieu. I don't want to think about Herman and LeMahieu being interrelated. I don't want to think about Herman at all. Uh, I am, you know, from the second the allegations dropped and the allegations were substantiated by Major League Baseball shortly thereafter, I see no reason to associate with Herman. I, I have heard the arguments. I, I understand the societal value of second chances. Uh, but that doesn't mean, you know, that, that the idea of a second chance doesn't mean that someone who's behaved in this manner has earned employment at the highest level. Like there, there could be another chance for Herman someday in life that doesn't involve being, you know, a playoff rotation member for the New York Yankees. That's not an honor that most of us have the ability to climb to and to think that, you know, someone could behave in the manner that he apparently did. Uh, these are, these are just allegations, but they were substantiated by major league baseball and reportedly the actions were witnessed by people from the commissioner's office, people like Joe Torrey. Uh, the incident apparently occurred at CC Zabathia's charity function at the end of the 2019 season. Uh, if all this is true, and there's no reason for me to believe at this juncture that it's not, I see no reason for the Yankees to uh, give this man a, a rotation opportunity in 2021, especially because they have already tied themselves to someone like Aroldis Chapman. It doesn't take a genius to see why they have decided to shrug off uh, Chapman's behavior and put scrutiny on Herman's and, and at least consider jettisoning him while giving Chapman a fresh new contract. Ch Chapman has star power. Herman is a rotation filler. Uh, as embarrassing as this is, it's clear to see that that's what the Yankees think. Uh, so even thinking about Herman having a chance to waltz back into the rotation makes me feel very uncomfortable. And to think that his return could be the thing that tips the Yankees over in extending DJ LeMahieu is, is very gross especially since uh, just a modicum of money needs to be spent to shore up Herman's rotation spot using a different body 
uh, hopefully devoid of any of the same controversy. So we hope that the Yankees see the light here and don't think about uh, one person's controversial return bringing about the much-endorsed return of currently the team's two-year running MVP. So we'll see what happens there. Interesting to think about and crazy that that was raised this week. We want to leave you with just one more tidbit. Um, We talked about Gary Sanchez on Monday as a potential non-tender candidate that didn't come from us, that apparently came from industry sources uh, chirping to George King. Uh, The beat writers were, were were, were getting their licks in. Uh, we had never seen this coming. We didn't think that Gary Sanchez was a potential uh, non-tender. You know, we were talking about Sanchez trades. We did not think Sanchez cut was a possibility. Uh, but it should be noted uh, this week, the footnote emerged that Sanchez was supposed to report to the Dominican Winter League like uh, Herman, like our guy Miguel Andujar, uh, a lot of Yankees competing down there. Uh, but Sanchez has not reported yet. And the new scuttlebutt, is that he will not be reporting until early December now. December 2nd is the deadline for the Yankees making their roster decision. And so it has been speculated that Sanchez does not want to put his body at further risk pending that Yankees decision, doesn't want to do anything to potentially injure himself before the Yankees decide whether or not to let him loose into the free agent market uh, before other teams potentially are going to have to start making decisions on Sanchez once he is not tied to one team explicitly for the next several years. Uh, This intrigued me, and it sort of makes it seem to me like Sanchez becoming a free agent is realer than ever. He's now going into full-on insurance protect-your-body mode. He's put himself in the glass case. Uh, If the industry sources buzz wasn't enough to make you think that Sanchez really could depart the Bronx, this really underscores it for me. I think that this is all but official at this point. That's how I feel about it because you don't, you don't hear you don't just hear about this stuff and then it goes away, especially now that it has legs and now he's opting not to play in the Dominican league. When I first saw the headline that he wasn't reporting to the team in my head, I thought, Oh, he's probably not playing because God forbid he has a shitty two weeks playing in the Dominican winter league. He'll surely get released. Like they will not tender him a contract. if They see him swinging at sliders in the dirt or, you know, letting pass letting balls go by him that are you know easily catchable behind the plate so I didn't even think about the injury aspect for it um I think there's there's only one thing that could help him here I think if he went and played and dominated for the next two weeks you could talk about his stock somewhat you know re recreating itself and being back on the rise but I I don't think it's a good decision that he's opting not to do this because his standing or you know if he's if he's deciding not to do this he already knows he's going to get non-tendered and he's like you know what I'm going to wait I'm going to take my time I'm going to sit here then I'm going to go play and then hopefully you know my play will speak for itself and other teams will want to sign me but I'm not going to waste my time playing now risk potential injury or poor play and then have my stock either uh, have my stock dip way lower and then that'll affect my standing with other teams on the free agent market. So I agree with you. I, it, it, this, is, this is very real. I'm starting to get cold feet on the Gary release. I hate myself. I, I'm like the worst kind of fan. I, I've spent three years basically finding his plate appearances insufferable and, and wishing there was a way where he could either improve back to his 2016 levels and 2017 postseason uh, levels or – Uh, figure out a way to maximize the asset and get him out of town. And now that the solution is on the table in front of us 
and it kind of feels like that solution is just delete him from existence. I'm sort of worried about him going somewhere else and finding himself. Of course, you know, the, the Sonny Gray stuff is what this feels like. And at the point of his departure, I wasn't worried about that because it was just so obvious that even if he regained his footing elsewhere, it was never going to happen here. Um, and I just don't know if that's the case with Sanchez because we have seen it happen here. I don't know what is wrong with him and what broke him, but I do know that it's possible for him to succeed in New York. So I'm starting to shiver a little bit. I don't know about you. I'm not entirely worried about that. Um, I think releasing him once again is a symptom of what's happening right now with the financial situation and every team uh, being worried about money. So I think in a regular season, this doesn't happen, but I think that this is one of those things where it's like, all right, the pandemic is kind of forcing you to do something or just any situation, any outlier situation is forcing you to do something. And it's kind of moving you toward the direction that you would have been going in anyway, if this extenuating circumstance wasn't looming over your head. So I think the Yankees and Gary were eventually headed for divorce, whether it was this off season or next off season or at this year's trade deadline. I'm not worried about him going somewhere else and mashing. I don't think a lot of teams are going to be willing to take a chance on him, at least contending teams where he can come back to bite us. Like I said, I think a great spot for him is like the Angels or the Royals. And he'll mostly not be relevant there because those teams are not good and they don't really have a, a, a window to propel into the World Series conversation. Even though the Angels have Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon, it's just not going to happen with them. We've seen it for years upon years. So I'm not concerned about it. I wish the guy the best. I wish this didn't happen or this wasn't on the trajectory of potentially happening because I'd love to have a catcher who's hitting 35 homers a year and just adding insult to injury to every team that we're facing when, you know, he's blasting bombs into the bleachers and making everybody look stupid, but it's not working out. It hasn't really worked out for the better part of two years. And you, you can't sit on these types of players forever. And sorry, Gary, if this is what the end is going to be. I do wish him the best, but you are right. This, this does kind of feel like a fate accompli. Think to yourself, who are they going to extend in a couple of years, Aaron Judge or Gary Sanchez? And I think you have uh, your answer there. That is it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Way more happened between Monday and Wednesday than we ever could have expected. Can't wait till Friday, honestly. Um, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you do get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review and a mailbag question. We are more than happy to answer. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib, and you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. And please head on over to gangsgoyard.com. We got all this content that we're talking about here on there for your visual pleasure. Read all about it. Pitch us some ideas. We'll turn it into content. We want to talk more about it. And until then, guys, it's getting cold out. Pizza Friday is going to be as important as ever. Start brainstorming your pie for this week, please. And we'll see you later this week. We're juiced up with content. And I just want to say in before the NBA draft and the Knicks fuck it up, Hey, let's go Knicks, everybody. See you on Friday. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. Ted, wake up. Huh? You look exactly like me. I am you, Ted, from the future. You need to call Progressive. What? Why? Well, they have 24-7 protection when you bundle your home and auto. And my teleportation cube just smashed into your car. Wait, you crashed into my car? Technically, it's our car. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.